Welcome to the sermons and teachings from the Catalyst Fellowship with Ipai Michael. We hope the message you're about to listen to will edify you and cause you to experience exponential growth. And now, the message. Alright, I want you all to read Philippians 1.23. 1, 2, go. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is what? Far better. Are you reading with me? Let's read together the next verse 1 to go. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for who? For you. Well, we've read this text many times, and our emphasis usually is on the benefits that the believers can receive when they have a pastor over them. Right? We always emphasize that the Apostle Paul says if he continues with them, they will experience what? Progress and what? Joy in the faith. Well, we've emphasized that a lot, but there is another emphasis to this text, which is the actual context of this passage. The Apostle Paul is making a life-changing decision. A decision which means that he either goes to be with Christ or he leaves. And I've taught you how to read in context, right? That to understand the context, you have to read what? The pretext and what? The post-text. Do you see that? You have to read the pretext. What is the pretext? The text preceding. And what is the post-text? The text after. So you can understand the full flow of thoughts. Are you getting this? And so when we read the full flow of thought of this, we're going to start from Philippians chapter 1 verse what? Verse 1. So let's go to Philippians chapter 1 verse 1 and see what is going on here. Let's read together. One, two, go. Paul and Timothy, born servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. It says Paul and Timothy. What do they call themselves? Bond. Do you know what bond servants mean? Slaves. They just fine-tune the word to give you sweetness. The word is slaves of Christ. Are you getting this? Slaves, either voluntary or involuntary. That's the word. The Greek word used there is the word duolos. Let me just confirm that. Yes, duolos, D-O-U-L-O-S, which means a slave. Are you getting this? It's from the word D-O, D-E-O, which means to bind or to tie somebody. They said they are born servants of Jesus. Verse 2, let's read together. One, two, go. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Who is he remembering? The church in Philippi. Next verse. Always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with joy. Next verse. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Next verse. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus. Hallelujah. Next verse. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, Inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. Do you know what is going on here? It says, both in my what? Chains. 
And in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, the first thing you have to realize here is that the person speaking is in prison. <laughs> Are you seeing what I'm saying? Yet he's praying for them. He's where? In prison. And you can still see that he's grateful that the Philippian church stood with him nonetheless. So, he was encouraging them, but he was in prison. Next verse. What is today's topic? How to prepare for a special meeting. Let's read together. I want to go. For God is my witness. How greatly I long for you all with the affections of Jesus Christ. Next verse. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and this. So he's in prison and he's doing what? He's praying for them. Are you seeing this? He's in prison and he's what? Praying for them. It's sweet to emphasize the benefit of him saying, I will continue with you for your what? Progress and joy in the faith. And you're like, yes! Pastor is going to stay with us. And when pastor stay with, stays with us, we are going to experience what? Progress. We are going to grow. Well, do you know what pastor has to go through? Are you getting what I'm teaching you? He was in prison. Let's read together. One, two, go. Okay, we read this already. Verse 10. All right, read. One, two, go. That you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Next verse. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory, glory and praise of God. Next verse. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the fortress of the gospel. What are the things that happened to him? He was imprisoned. Are you getting it? But he said, you know what? These things have happened to me for the fortress of the gospel. Verse 13. Are you ready? Are you enjoying me to read? Let's do this one to go. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Next verse. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Next verse. Some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife, and some from goodwill. Next verse. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add afflictions to my chain. Next verse. But the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Next verse. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will what? Now let's read verse 19. Are you ready? Are you getting the story? All right, let's read together. I want to go. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. 20. Did you hear what he said? Christ will be magnified in his body whether in what? This is a person that has given his life to the cause of Christ. 
that if he's alive, it's Apostle Paul. <laughs> if he's alive, it is for Christ. If he's dead, it's still for Christ. Amen. So it's sweet when we say, oh, we shall continue with you for your progress. Everything, yo, yo, yo. But think about the person who has to do this. He had to do this for the Philippian church. Then verse 21. Let's read together. One, two, go. For to me to live is Christ and to die is what? Is gain. He has come to a conclusion that if I'm living is for Christ. Well, if I die, I'm still going to meet Christ. Ah, what a way to live. Are you learning something? Let's read verse 22. One, two, go. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I choose, I cannot tell. Next verse. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to be to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for who? For you. So before we go ahead and begin to talk about the benefits of a ministry gift, remember when we teach this, we would emphasize that the expected outcome of a pastor teaching you is that you experience what? Progress and joy in the faith. Well, that is true. But there's another emphasis. And before we go ahead to begin to talk about your benefits, I want you to consider something that I call the cost of the message. Amen. What did I call it? I can't hear you say it. What did I call it? The cost of the message. Paul is in a dilemma here. I'm in prison, yet I'm praying for a church. He's excited. He's still praying for them. He wrote this letter to them to equip them even though he's in prison. So even in his imprisonment, he still cares about this church. Think about it. What will make him say it is far better for him to die and go and be with Christ? He must have suffered. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He must have suffered. He says, but if I continue, it is for your sake. Amen. If I continue, it is what? It is for your sake. This is how important the message that the apostles had. This is how important it was to them. That they would give their lives for it. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you learning this? Are you listening to me? So as important as the emphasis on what you can receive from your ministry gift is, there's also an emphasis on the cost for them to bring the message to you. There's a cost. There's a price that everyone who teaches you the word, everyone who ministers in songs to you, there's a price they have to pay. And you must know that price. Let me tell you a story. During World War II, the United States Mint, you know what a mint is? A mint is, um, you know, the company where they produce money. Currency, right? That's the mint, all right? So, um, the place that they raided in money heists is a mint. You see that? That's a good example to give you. Well, so, they were making pennies, and pennies was, I think it was made with zinc. 
But for some reason, they made a mistake, and copper was added to the, to the you know, to what they were using to make it, and that produced a special kind of bronze coin that they had. That was not common, but because of that mistake, it was available. There was this young teenager, sometime long ago, who went to purchase something, and they gave him one of these coins as change. So he had the pennies, and he mixed it with other pennies. He wrote to them that they should change the penny for him, but they didn't do anything about it. So he kept the penny because it's weird. I don't think he'll be able to spend it. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Because it looks weird, so he kept it. In 2018, after he died, that penny was sold at an auction for $204,000. Are you listening to me? The new owner, maybe I should help you understand $204,000. When Naira to USD is $1,000, that becomes what? $2.4 billion. 204 million, yes, because you add another three in front of it, right? 204 million. Your retirement is sure. Your life is secure. <laughs> Think about it. Because how much are you spending every day? Life is sure. And if you have sense, just buy houses. So that you'll be bringing more money. 204 million. The new owner decided that, you know what, I'm tired of this coin, I want to sell it. <laughs> In 2019, he sold it for $2.3 million. Guess what? If that teenager had known the value of what he had, he would have made better decisions with it. Maybe he would have passed it down in his generation until one of them was ready to sell it. This means that when you don't know the value of a thing, you don't know how to respond rightly to it. But the moment you can discern value in something, your response to that thing changes. Amen. Are you learning what I'm saying? Your response to that thing changes. It's almost like giving a little child $500 bills. Well, the child might probably tear it into pieces. Why? The child cannot discern value. Amen. Have you seen that video? A man gave his child bundles of money and gave him, I think it was ice cream, and told him to choose one. The boy took the ice cream. What am I going to do with paper? Are you seeing what I'm saying? Well, bring it to your own life now. Because just like that boy, the moment you can't discern value in the people that God has set over you, your response to it will be different. Amen. You will choose things that are not worth the value because of your lack of sensitivity to value. Are you learning what I'm saying? Because of your lack of discernment of value over an item, you will make wrong decisions with that item. Are you learning what I'm saying? And so imagine this boy knew the value of that coin. He would have made better decisions about it. Now the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. The apostles are talking about themselves. 
Paul is speaking here. He says, we've renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Verse 3, he says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. We're going to go to verse 6. Verse 6 says, but it is God who commended light to shine. No, okay. I think I missed it. Let's read verse 4. I think we'll find the text I wanted to quote for you. Oh, okay. It's verse 7 I want to quote. So let's read 6 and 7. He says in verse 6, For it is God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Next verse. He says, But we have this treasure. In what? In earthen vessels. Do you know what earthen vessels is? He was using a metaphor here to compare the value of the gospel to the men who God gave the gospel to give to you. He says, we have this treasure in what? In earthen vessels. Do you know the meaning of earthen vessels? Other translations will say, in clay jars. So do you know what he's saying? He's saying that the gospel and the men who are preaching the gospel are like diamond in a clay jar. Did you hear what I said? It's like what? Diamond in what? What does that mean? A precious item kept in mud. So he says, we have this treasure in what? In earthen vessels. So the apostles are calling themselves earthen vessels. And they are calling the gospel what? A treasure. If you can't discern the things that the man God has sent to you have for you, you will not know how to respond to it. Because you've got treasure in what? In earthen vessels. Please, are you learning something? Are you learning something? God has sent you men. In those men are treasures for your life. Well, the difference is how you respond to it. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 9. Are you learning something? Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 9. Are you ready to read with me, everybody? All right, read with me. One, two, go. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. Next verse. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might feel all things. Next verse. And he himself gave some to be, to be, to be, to be, and who gave this man to you? Christ. And I've taught you before that he did not distribute the gifts to men. He gave the men as gifts to men. Men are God's gift to men. What did I say? Men are God's gift to men. Your pastor can be your friend, but he's still God's gift to you. If you treat what he carries lightly, if you have poor discernment of the treasure that is in him, well, you will not benefit of that treasure. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Well, you might treat it like that teenager who did not know how to handle it for his benefit. You might not just know how to appropriate it. I beg you, what I'm teaching you will change your life. I, I can kneel down for you. It will ch this changed my life many years ago. Christ gave apostles. 
He gave prophets. He gave evangelists. He gave pastors. He gave teachers. Next verse. It says for what? For the equipping of the saints. Can I tell you something? Your equipping is in the hand of a man. What did I say? God uses men to bless men. That's God's track record. When God wants to bless the many, he blesses them with one. When God wanted to create the whole world, he wanted to create the whole of mankind. Who did he create? Adam. When he wanted to create vegetations, he created trees. And he put in them the seed to reproduce after themselves. Amen. God has a track record of using the one to bless the many. Are you listening to me? He has what? A track record of using what? The one to bless what? The many. He says for what? For the equipping of the saints. For the work of ministry. He says for the edifying. What's the Greek word for edifying here? You don't know? Oikodomio. You've heard me say it before. Oikodomio. It's a construction term that means what? To lay brick upon brick. So your spiritual growth is also at the hand of a man. Ah, am I teaching you something today? Your spiritual growth is at the hand of a man. And this might sound weird, but it's the truth. He said he gave you those men for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the work of ministry. Next verse. Till we come to what? The unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So God gave men as gifts to men. Say God gave men as gifts to men. Say God gave men as gifts to men. If you are feeling sleepy, stand up and say God gave men as gifts to men. All right. First Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10. Let's read together. One, two, go. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and what? Who is speaking? The Apostle Paul. To who? The church in Thessalonica. He says he is praying that he may see their face and perfect what is lacking in their faith. Can I tell you something? The work of a ministry gift is to discern and supply. The job of your pastor is to look for the parts that are lacking in your life and supply by a teaching. Not just by a teaching, by an impartation. So it says, night and day I'm praying that I may see your face. Well, I'm, I'm praying for you that you come to church. I'm praying that you come to camp meeting. Why? Because I believe there is something that needs to be perfected in your faith. I believe that God has a plan for your spiritual growth that is not where you are today. And that is going to happen by the ministration of the Spirit. Amen. That's going to happen by a teaching. Amen. That's going to happen by an impartation. Amen. And that is what is going to happen in Christ's life. Come. That's going to happen by directing you to pray. Because God sends men to men. God has sent me to you. Amen. And so. Tabanaruakabaya. <laughs> The me that you know is not the me that you know. Because the moment the grace of God and the spirit of God is functioning through a man, he ceases to be your friend. He becomes a representative of God. Are you listening to me? 
the moment you treat that lightly, you cannot receive what he has for you. We're teaching what? How to prepare for what? A special meeting. God gave you gifts. Those gifts are men for you to grow. Say, God gave me gifts. Those gifts are men for me to grow. It doesn't matter what the person looks like. Age, size, color. They remain God's gifts to you. And if you take them for granted, well, you might lose the treasure they have for you. Are you learning something? If you do not learn anything today, if you learn this one, my job will be done. The moment anybody climbs up here or any pulpit, any platform, they cease to just be ordinary. They become God's sent men to you. If you can't discern that, you can't receive what they have for you. Did you hear what I said? If you can't discern that, you can't what? Think of it like this. How many of you have siblings? How many of you have younger siblings? Imagine your younger brother or sister who has disturbed your life. Becomes an immigration officer for Canada. If you go for your interview and you say rubbish, does it matter who the person is? No. It matters. <laughs> well, it might matter in your mind. But the person still has to do their job. Are you listening to what I'm saying? The person still has to do their job. So yes, you are my sister at home. But today, I'm the immigration officer. Amen. Oh, you came back for masters. Now your sister is the one teaching the course. Because she's doing PhD. Or he's doing PhD. And you say, ah, let me quickly come back and just do masters. You have you are successful, oh. Does it still matter? You still sit down in the class. And you still learn. That's because at that point there's an authority over that younger sibling that you have to honor. Even if you don't honor that person, you must honor the person for the sake of the authority. Are you learning something? You must honor the person for what? So now. That's what the apostle say. The apostle will say that we don't see men ordinarily again. You don't discern people ordinarily again. We don't discern people just from an ordinary human standpoint anymore. Because if God is going to bless a generation, he will do it through a man. Look at Joseph, for example. Do you know what happened to Joseph and his brothers? So today, Joseph's brothers are angry. Joseph has a dream. All of you are bowing down before me. Well, they say, you know what, you we're going to bow down. I will show you what bowing down is. Well, they took him. Slavery. They wanted to kill him. But they said, you know what? (laughs) Let his life be worth something. (laughs) If we kill him, his life will not be worth anything. If we sell him, at least we'll make money. So they sold him. Now, he went, he suffered, he suffered, he suffered. 
Jacob was wealthy, you know, Abi. So they enjoyed in their father's house. And the day that famine just decided that, okay, let me show face. You now went to the only place there is food and your brother is in charge. <laughs> Are you seeing what I'm saying? So, who enjoyed? The brothers enjoyed. Because God blessed them through him. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. It will be a mistake to dishonor the people and not honor their grace. Listen, I, I, I'm teaching you something. If God has sent a man to you, respect what the Lord has set that man to do in your life. Are you getting what I'm saying? If he's the set man over you, honor the person, honor the structures that are set. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Put that before you. Because when you honor a man God has sent to you, you are honoring God. Are you seeing what I'm saying? You are honoring God. So even if you can't rate the person, rate him for the sake of the work. Is this clear? Some of you might be saying, why am I saying follow a man? Well, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen. So if you are going to follow Christ, you are going to follow Christ through the men he has sent to you. So honor. There is a way to follow that is not the way we are doing it in the 21st century. You say you honor a person, you dishonor all the structures that are set. That's not honor. Amen. Ayabana kuarati afakaya. If you get this right, your life will change. The structure that God has set for your spiritual growth is in a local church under the, the leadership of a pastor. There is no other way for spiritual growth to happen effectively. You can try to do it personally, but that's not God's plan for your spiritual growth. Amen. He said he sent men to equip you. Are you getting what I'm saying? To equip you. So, in a church under the leadership of a pastor is God's plan for your spiritual growth. So, if you don't honor those structures, would you grow? You might deceive yourself that you are growing fully, but you might not truly be. Honor the men God have sent to you. God has sent to you. Amen. What did I say? Honor the men God has sent to you. It doesn't matter what they look like. Let me discuss a few points. Number one, age. Do you know that virtually all the disciples, probably except Peter, were teenagers? So if you were there, and they appear, say, are you? You. You that we knew from. They were teenagers. Are you getting what I'm saying? There's a reason why Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, let no one despise your youth. Don't take my word for it. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12. Are you learning something? 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12. What does he say everybody wants to go? Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believer in word, in comfort, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Because even Timothy was a teenager. So listen. Timothy was pastoring churches for Paul and he was a teenager. Amen. Think of one teenager you know. Now think of the person pastoring a church. 
Say yes, sir. Yes, sir. I receive everything you have for me. So now you have to renew your mind. Amen. You have to renew your mind. Because when you honor the men, you honor the God who sends the men. Are you learning something? When you honor the men, you honor the God who sent the men. I'm teaching you how to prepare. One of the ways is to learn honor. Are you getting this? One of the ways is what? Is to learn honor. These men are God's outstretched arm to you. In Acts chapter 10 verse 25, the Bible says that Peter went to visit Cornelius. Cornelius laid prostrate before Peter. <laughs> Some of you are like, your own is too much. Cornelius, Cornelius. But Cornelius knew the value. This is an unbeliever. And he was a general in the army, high-ranking soldier. He laid prostrate. Do you know why? He honored the grace. The thing that can change your life can be in the mouth of your ministry gifts if you don't learn to receive it. You just short change yourself. Did you hear what I said? If you don't learn how to receive it, you might just what? Short change yourself. So you have to do better with how you learn honor. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 12, the Bible says, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor amongst you. Read it with me just in case you think that, you know, pastor is just making this up. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12. Read with me. One, two, go. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor amongst you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Next verse. And to esteem them, what? Very highly in love for their work's sake. Did you hear that? Esteem them what? Very highly. How many of you are guilty of not esteeming very highly? He says, esteem them very highly. Someone say, ah, why are you? you? You know, that's the common Twitter thing. He says, idolatry is idolatry. They've not read their Bible. That the Bible instructs to esteem them highly. It's not idolatry. When you follow a man, you honor the man, you honor the God behind the man, not the man. Amen. Not the man. They say, why are you always posting my pastor, my pastor, my pastor? Well, if you have one, to post your own. Because you know how it helps you honor when you can receive. Hallelujah. He says, esteem. You know what? I'm going to do this. You know, I, I didn't plan to do this, but I, I want to do a quick word study. I'm going to open First Thessalonians 5 now, 5 verse 12. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. Say thank you, Lord. Okay, First Thessalonians 5 12. The word there. KJV says, we beseech you, brethren, to know them which lay more amongst you, over you in the Lord, and admonishing you. says, esteem them highly. That word sort of means to, to, is the word you use for a governor. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Someone who is, I'm looking for the right word. 
who is esteemed, who is respected for their office sake. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Respected for what? For their office sake. He says, esteem them very highly. He says, those who labor over you, esteem them what? Very highly. Say very highly. He says, he even tells you, he says, for their work's sake. First Timothy chapter 5 verse 17. First Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17. It says, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of what? Double what? Honor. Did he say single honor? Do you know why he said double honor? It's an emphasis to show you how you should regard them. So is it my word? Is it the Bible's word? People will not read their Bibles. They will begin to talk on Twitter. You are, you are idolizing your pastor. You are... Well, maybe you've not even done enough. The Bible says that they should be counted worthy of what? Of double honor. That's First Timothy 5 and verse 17. It says count them worthy of double honor. The word honor there is the word time. That word means a, a value that you see of something. The value, the price value. You should, you should honor them rightly based on their worth. Esteem them Highly. Reverence. That's the word to me. Are you seeing this? Reverence. Not just reverence. This word also translates to thanksgiving. And that's why public appreciation is one of the easiest ways to honor. Because it's the way you begin to say thank you. You have to think about, about what goes on in ministry. To know how to honor. For their work's sake. I taught you about the cost of the message, right? What some people have to go through for the work. It says, esteem them of what? Of double honor. Give them double honor. Count them worthy of double honor. Especially to those who labor in the word and what? And doctrine. Count them worthy of what? Of double honor. Hallelujah. I'm going to explain it next you know, in the next part, but I, I just wanted to start with honor. Honor. You know, honor is a currency. Honor is a currency. And you must learn to deal well with honor. I'll tell you something. You cannot receive what you don't honor. Look at Jesus. He went to his hometown. And I'm still going to explain that later but honor. Once you discern spiritual value in a person, honor. I rarely call anybody who is doing ministry by name. I always say man of God. Man of God. Amen. I rarely Amen. I rarely. Some people cannot fathom me. They say, ah, why are you people doing this? It's not. Well, it's the way we know to show honor. Amen. It's the way to show honor. When someone does something that even sounds like dishonor beside you, you must be ready to say, ah, don't do that. I don't. Listen, I, I've been there. I know what I'm talking about. But if you talk, <laughs> the day you say something wrong about my pastor is the day we stop being friends. I will tell you to your face. You don't, you don't say such. Because what you say can affect my heart. 
listening to me. What you say, can I, I can't entertain such, such talk around me. I count them worthy of double honor. If you don't honor your own pastor, don't bring that insult on my pastor. You see what I'm saying? We, st- we stopped talking that day. <laughs> I'm st- you see, my, my face has changed. That's how I react to them. Don't do such and think that I'm going to be okay with you. No? You see what I'm saying? Oh, no. It's, it's important. You say age. Ah. You say, no, be Michael. You just finished school yesterday. <laughs> Amen. There's a way we don't know that we train our spirits by the things that we see, the things that happen. You are training your The moment you train your spirit not to see value in a person, your spirit stops seeing value in that person. So everybody can be in a meeting, being blessed, the power of God. You are just there. What's wrong with him? Nice clothes, lips. Your mind is everywhere. No honor. Hallelujah. Are you learning something? I, I will still talk about it, but it's important. I don't want to jump the, jump, jump the gun here. Honor them for the labor's sake. If you don't honor them for anything, honor for the labor's sake. Should I be very practical? Let me, let's, let's begin to hit some tables so that they don't have legs anymore at the end of this teaching. Honor. That's all I'll say. <laughs> honor. Those of you that will see WhatsApp message on the group, <laughs> You say, you say, Pastor, I don't chat on group chat. So that's why you should ignore my message. <laughs> you know, the way you treat your pastor is the way other people learn to treat your pastor. <laughs> Amen. Oh, no. See, you have to take it that every instruction that your pastor gives you is not because he feels like I want to play game too now. I like FIFA. But I'm coming out for evangelism because I can decide to do my evangelism on Monday. But it's better to go with you guys so that you can learn a culture of honor for you to fulfill what the scripture has instructed you to do. But I'll be begging people, please now, let's evangelize now. Honor. In camp meeting this. See, every instruction given to you Receive it with joy. Can I tell you something? You might get to places, especially when you are in the workforce, where your pastor even annoys you. But that thing must not be annoyance in your heart. I've been there too. You know why? As pastors, when we see this thing, you say it's not, it's not possible, we say it's possible. Tell me what you need, do it. Because we are aiming for something. Well, you might be angry, but here is the way to respond. In that time, if you let the annoyance develop in your heart, it will lead to bitterness. That bitterness is not only going to affect that moment, it's going to affect your reception in every other time. So it's better to bring up issues you have with people, with the person you follow than keep it in your heart. If you let bitterness reign, it will affect your receptiveness in spiritual things. You see what I'm saying? So one time, there were two members of our community the Lord had been telling us that we we're going to do ministry big. So I told the workers, they were scared. So just last two years, yeah, they were scared. Pastor, 
Canada, global work. This one, we're not ready. I said, God will give us grace. God will give us strength. Well, some people felt overwhelmed already. Because it will mean that workers will be getting ready to lead cell groups. So, Tinubu started discussing it. I didn't sign up for this, so I just wanted to become a worker. They continued to discuss it. Do you know the outcome of that discussion? You are letting bitterness reign in your heart. Until, and this, this is the problem. You, you are angry. Ah, that thing that Pastor Mike said. I don't like it. Instead of you to walk on your heart, talk to your pastor and solve it. You say, ah, Maru, Maru. Why is Pastor even saying that we will camp two days in camp meeting? Can we not just stay? Can we not just come from our house? Why is Pastor saying, does he not know that things are hard? Do you know the problem? You sowed a seed of discord in his heart. And he might have considered it, but he was like, Pastor knows best. If he says we should camp in the place, it's because he has a reason. But now you've made him his heart consider the possibility of Pastor being wrong. So now him too is thinking it. Now, the pro- every time you discuss, that's the first gist that will come up. Pastor still never changed that thing. Eh? You know, like, ah! you are so, the, dis- the, the, the discord is getting worse in your heart. Until the camp meeting will come, rather than you to receive, is the bitterness that is coming to your mind. So pastor says, receive. And you're like, why do you push her like that? You see, what you are not supposed to consider is what you are considering. I'm being practical. Do you see how four legs of your table? Maybe three. Okay. Amen. So number one, we discuss what? Age. Number two, familiarity. If I were to title this part of the same one, I don't even know how to put it. Things that can <laughs> disrupt your receptiveness. <laughs> Familiarity. Whatever you get too familiar with loses its value. Have you been in that position before you wanted something so bad? Ah, I want it. Then you got it and you took it every day. As it, with food, as it happened to me before. It happened to me. When I was in Nigeria, I was like, when shall I taste good burger? Yes. So I got here. I was eating burger every time until I got so irritated. <laughs> because, I, you know, in Nigeria, it was a big deal to eat burger. If you go to, if you go to restaurants, you rarely have, find restaurants that even have very good one. At least now it's common because we have money. When I was younger, it was not a common thing. Only like maybe fried rice, chicken and things like that. So when I was, when I was coming, I was like, okay, yes. I think I was tired of it. As it happened to me before, you get tired of things when you... The same principle applies. When you get too familiar with, familiar with something, it loses its value. It loses its value. And I'm not saying now, you're not saying, ah, let me give pastor space, no. Are you with me? It is to train your heart to still see the value. So yes, pastor is still in Pastor is my friend, but pastor is not my friend. Because the moment... He says, the Lord said to tell you, ah, I know that. It's not the person I was gisting with five minutes ago that is giving me this instruction now. This is pastor that is giving me this instruction now. Are you listening to me? Are you learning something? Familiarity is so bad that Jesus could not do miracles in his hometown. Not because he did not have the power. But because familiarity can translate to unbelief. Do you hear what I said? Familiarity can what? Translate to unbelief. 
So for you, small, small play. Ah. Until now, the person says, lift up your hands, let me pray for you. In your mind, they're laughing. Ah. Why can't it be us they play FIFA yesterday? <laughs> Subconsciously, you've not reserved a, a place of honor for that person. You don't believe the person can bless you. You don't believe that all that you need for your life, God has put in that person for you. Are you seeing the problems? Are you seeing the problems? Amen. So Mark chapter 6, that's what the Bible says, a prophet is without honor except in his own country, amongst his own relatives and in his own house. Familiarity can translate to unbelief. Beware of familiarity. Let's talk about appreciation a bit. Amen. Let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 5. Verse 18. Let's read the verse before, then we'll read the verse after. Everybody read together. Want to go? Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of what? Double honor. Especially those who what? It's not just to regard in your heart. Next verse. Read together. Want to go? For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while he tread out the grain. And the laborer is what? Who is the laborer? What is his wage? Thank you. Oh no. His money. Next verse. <laughs> okay, I think that's where the con- that's where it, it ends. What I wanted to show you. <laughs> so somebody would travel from Saskatchewan to Windsor, use his money, preach everywhere, scatter. He's not about to leave. Oh my God, I'm blessed. I honor you, sir. <laughs> He's going to look at you like, <laughs> how about? <laughs> Listen, some people have taken this the wrong way. Where the only thing they are looking for is the money. But listen, you have a responsibility to appreciate those who have labored over you. <laughs> Paul said, is it not fitting that if I sow in you spiritual things, I reap from you what? Canal things. So is it money or not? <laughs> so that's why I, I don't like teaching this part. But let me let me be let me be stern. It's not because I need your money. I'm doing well. Glory to God. I'm doing well. Glory to God. The apostle Paul said the same thing to the church in Philippi. He says, I've, "I know how to abound and how to abase." He says, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me." Meaning, I can live when I have. I can live when I can, when I don't have. But the reason why I'm teaching you is also for your heart's sake. Because you honor the places where your treasure is. You value where your treasure is. If you want to honor something, spend your money on it. Spend your money on it. Where your gold is, where your treasure is, is where your heart to be. Are you listening to me? So one way to train yourself in honor is to give to somebody something that, or somebody that you want to, sh- you want to honor with your heart. Are you getting what I'm saying? 
So, but other than that, the Bible also says that the laborer is worthy of his what? Wage. When I was small, I was like, ah. all the money they used to give to church, is it that God would just come and carry everything? I did not know that they needed to pay the pastors that are not doing any work. Listen, they will not teach you this in other places, but you know me, if the Bible says it, I tell you, the laborer is worthy. I'm looking for the best way. You, you have to. Yes. Thank you, sir. And thank your pastors a lot because they labor a lot. You don't know half the things they are going through. I remember my pastor saying one day, he would lay hands in church. Had miracle service. People were healed. That same Sunday, his daughter was sick. He prayed for her. He did not go until they took her to hospital. <laughs> Amen. When we stand here, we are functioning under the unction of the almighty God. What we go through doesn't show on our faces. You can afford to say, oh, pastor, Thursday, I cannot come because of one thing. Well, I can't afford it. <laughs> Amen? So think about it like this. I'm the one member of this church that has been coming every day since day one. And I didn't talk up. Amen. I cannot say, ah, I don't have money. Oh. I'm not coming to church. I'm just using myself as an example for you. In any church you are, do the same thing you know, in terms of honor. So I'll tell you what I did. Some years back, I told somebody, I said, I want to get closer to pastor. I want to, you know, he said, pastor is very busy. He said, but you know what I'll teach you how to honor pastor in your heart? He said, put money in an envelope. Go and give him. Say, sir, I, know, I was not making enough. So I had 2K. That was the only thing I could spare from my whole money. And that was a sacrifice because I didn't have a lot of money then. So I bought an envelope. I wrote for your lunch. I put it in an envelope. I took it to Pastor. I said, Pastor, either I use it for fuel, for lunch. I don't think that 2K would have done anything to his pocket. Do you get what I'm saying? But it has done something to my heart. Did you hear what I said? But it has done something to my heart. Because in my way of saying thank you, I am supporting. To say thank you for the work. Don't let anybody say, don't let anybody deceive you. Yes, the devourer will not devour you if you don't tithe. But it is good because it is your partnership with your local church for the spread of the gospel. Are you listening to me? So there was a rave that was happening in maybe three years ago that the freeze and the likes that were saying don't tithe. The Bible did not instruct you to tithe. I'm like, where are you? The Bible actually even tells you to do more than tithing. It don't, it don't even give you percentage. To give cheerfully and sacrificially is a good Do you know, they, <laughs> Paul wanted to send somebody to a church in scriptures. He says, I'm sending him to you. He says, make ready as of a way of bounty. You know what he was telling them? Prepare his honorarium. <laughs> that means, he's coming. It's you that will take care of it. He's going back. It's you that will take care of it. There was a time they had to take funds from everybody to supply a church that needed help. So giving has, has always been a thing. There was a time in the church where, you know, they gathered all they had and gave it to the church. The church was distributing it to everyone who needed. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Giving is biblical. 
What am I saying in essence? One way to honor is by appreciation. I've seen people who have gone as far as buying cars. Someone will say, ah, why is this man driving a big car? Well, he did not steal your money. Someone honored him. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Someone honored. Someone honored. I remember I got something recently and I was feeling like, ah, hope this is not too big. Another person called, I was talking to someone and she said, she said, Pastor, enjoy it. You deserve it. It was me that bought it by myself. Oh. But I was feeling like, ah, is it not too... She said, Pastor, enjoy it. Because if you think of, if me, if I think of the labor <laughs> that we have labored for this. Hallelujah. I, I hope this is blessing you. Appreciation is important. Appreciation is what? Is important. Like Paul said, people gave their lives. You don't, we don't look like what we are going through. Should I give you insight into my schedule? You want to hear? Monday night is awake intercessors. We intercede. Now I try, I, I try my best, but because of work, I'm not able to. So I still work nine to five with ministry right now. And by God's grace, very soon I want to drop it and focus on the Lord. But I still work nine to five. So I, I missed that one. It's paining me because someone has to take my place. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Now, Tuesday, I think this is the only free day that we probably have. So Tuesday work. Wednesday walk. Now, in between this, there'll be some meetings here and there. How many of you have been with me before, like hours, and you see how my phone buzzes? Like, how many calls do I receive in an hour? Probably five <laughs> in one hour. So, all of that is there. Sunday, I have to teach here. There's still global community I have to teach. You see what I'm saying? Thursday, I teach twice. I finish teaching them, and then I'm running to church. I don't know how I'm going to do it now that there's daylight saving. You see what I'm saying? The time has moved. We are now six hours behind Nigeria instead of five hours. So my whole schedule has to shift now. So after, every time I come here Thursday, that some of you say, ah, sir, Pastor, I cannot come. It was seven o'clock. I finished something. If I catch you people. <laughs> Me too. I just finished something. And I'm coming here to preach again. And now listen. Have you ever heard the term that preaching a sermon is like an eight-hour shift? Because we feel exhausted not just physically, but also spiritually. It's almost like something has been drained from us after every preaching. I get what I'm saying. Because what is going on in this meeting is not just ordinary. This is not a talk. This is not a TED talk. It's spiritual. Well, Friday, there's a week. And all throughout this is I'm telling you, I'm still have to five. There's a week. A week is three hours prayer. I still pity people. I put you on second and last Sunday so that when you come very, uh, we'll do every Friday. Amen. Saturday, I have to pray with the leaders of the church. Sunday, we, we're back at it again. I'm planning special meetings. And do you know preparation for this two-hour session? You think it's just two hours to prepare? <laughs> Amen. And sometimes, I like to have eight months ahead. So, in, I've not had a break apart from the two weeks I took recently in almost three years. 
the last break I had was when I wrote sermons far ahead. Everything keeps popping up now. Now I write far ahead, yes, but there's a lot. Hallelujah. There's a lot. So think of that. There was a time I was schooling, I was working, and I was doing ministry. Amen. So some people only school, you are not coming to church. Reverence the work. That's the next point. Reverence for the work. It's important to see the labor. Night and day praying for you. Hallelujah. Night and day praying for you. Listen, as we prepare for Christ's life camp, I want this to be at the back of your mind. That Lord, I believe in the grace of God upon the man you've sent to me. And every ministration, every minister I am ready to receive, I see them as the men that God has sent to me. I'm ready to receive from them. That's how you begin to prepare for camp meeting. So today I spent all my time focusing on what? Honor for ministers because you cannot receive what you don't honor. We're going to pray. We're going to say, Lord, help me see the man you've sent to me for who he truly is. Help me see the treasures that he has in heaven vessels for my benefit and help my heart be ready to receive at the Christ life camp. Can you begin to pray wherever you are, everybody? Help us, Lord God, to see all the ministers of the gospel. Those who minister in songs, those who minister in the word, for who they truly are. Help us be receptive. Help our hearts honor them. Help our hearts honor them. Help our hearts honor them. That we receive all that they have for us. That we are blessed through the teaching of the word of God. We are blessed through the music ministration. We are blessed through the impartation. We are blessed in every session in that meeting. In the mighty name of Jesus. We are blessed in that meeting. Pray wherever you are. Pray wherever you are.